Hey everybody, welcome to Draft Politics episode 35. I'm your host Steve and with me here as always. Hello, it's EJ. So, whew, more impeachment. I mean, so much impeachment. Yes. I mean, what else could there be? Right? It's not like there's, you know, global plagues or anything like that <laughs> nope, going nope. on, but maybe we'll get to that later. Uh, so yeah, so before we go too far into this, it's probably worth just recounting kind of where we are in the process of impeachment. Yeah. I mean, it's been, you know, the, the whole process from the investigations through to the House and everything. Now we're in the trial. We've heard from both the House managers laying out their case. We heard from the president's attorneys. I almost want to put that in air quotes. Right. Uh, laying out the defense such as it is. Um, and today we started questions. So this is, you know, the senator's first chance to really be involved and interactive. The senators get to write questions on a piece of paper and then hand it to a page who gives it to uh, Chief Justice Roberts, who reads them out loud to one side, the other or both. And it's not just it's not just one senator writing the question. It can be like all of us got together here and wrote this question out. So. That's today and tomorrow, and yeah. that's where we're at in the process. This and gets me to thinking of question time and, and kind of wishing that, that our Senate or in our House operated the way the British do with people yelling at each other. And I would like to see, like, prime minister's questions. Like, that would be, that would be quite, right. but, quite enjoyable. But we wouldn't be the most deliberative body in the world if we had such Order. craziness. So, Order. Of course, that is House of Commons that does that, not House yes. of Lords. Yes. You never see House of Lords on TV. They just wear funny wigs, right? As far as I know. I don't know why they're that funny. Okay. <laughs> but, of course, it isn't another week without sort of crazy news coming out from the orbit of Trump world, which is something that I think is always important to call out. You know, in previous administrations... You did not have so many people so willing to just throw others under the bus. Oh, yeah. They get jettisoned. They get <laughs> scorned. Well, and if you think about it, like, the nature of Trump, if you were going to voluntarily take a job with him, like, there's something off about you. And, and that plays into a lot of this. <laughs> well, I always wonder if, if it's like these career politicians thinking that, He's the broken guy, and they're the girlfriend who's going to fix him. You know, like, Will, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into this administration, and my voice will be the voice of reason. Yeah. The, the, the metaphor I tend to always go with is Frankenstein and the monster thing, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, they think same, they same. have this, if they can just control him, they'll have all this power, and yet they never can. Right. And... And I guess the most recent example of this is our favorite war Lorax, John Bolton. I almost said Michael Bolton, but <laughs> uh, no, no, no offense, Michael Bolton. Uh, no, no offense, Michael Bolton. I own your entire catalog. No, I celebrate no, I his entire collection. Yes, <laughs> his entire collection. That's what I was going for. Yeah, so good old John Bolton, you know, who's been in something like every Republican administration since 1840. Right. He has is coming out with a book. Yes. Yes, he is. So he was ceremoniously or unceremoniously fired or quit via tweet or not via tweet in October. 
And we learned this week that he's writing a book. He's written a book. Yes. Memoirs. I don't think he wrote the book, but I'm sure he participated in the writing of the book in some fashion. But, uh, yeah. This They're is, his memoirs. This is the risk that, like, I think Trump's fatal flaw, at least to him, ultimately will be demanding loyalty from everybody, but not rewarding it. Yeah, or and, giving any back. Yeah. And so... Uh, he kicked Bolton out unceremoniously. Bolton gets his revenge by throwing him under a very large bus. Exactly. Um, and it's, so... And the name of his book is... What is the name of his book? The Room Where It Happened. Ah, yes. I mean, that's John Bolton being pretty topical, pretty trendy there, John Bolton. Yes. <laughs> Just right out, ripped right from Broadway. It's like, I imagine the subtitle, on July 25th at the White House. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so basically it, it relays a story, you know, of Trump and basically outlines that there was a quid pro quo, that Trump admitted the quid pro quo. Yeah, well, he said, I don't want to give them, I don't want to release it until they give me information yes. on the Bidens. So yes. Like, that's that's it. I don't, yeah. you know. He did not use the words quid pro quo, though, so it's no, not a quid pro quo. Totally fine. Can't spell quo. <laughs> and, you know, of course, we don't know everything that's in the, Everything that's in the manuscript. The manuscript was sent over to the White House or to the National Security Council in December as part of a standard 30-day review for classified material. I mean, I know time flies in a weird way in the Trump administration, but it does seem longer than 30 days. Yeah, I guess it was the end of December, so we're coming up on that. Okay. And according to the attorneys today... Uh, there was a letter sent to John Bolton's attorney saying there is lots of classified material. Of and course, so there the is. book is totally classified now. Totally classified. It's the most classified. You wouldn't believe it. Yes. Everybody tells me. Like, like in the terms of classification, there's the battle plans for Normandy, and then this is one level above that. Right. Something right. like that. Just yes. above Overlord. Yes. So we don't know what's in there, and of course everybody's pointing fingers about who released it, who leaked the right the manuscript over the weekend because this was this came out in some reporting from the New York Times. Yeah, and um, and and let's be clear, the Trump administration has a very long track record of keeping a tight ship and not having many leaks. So, oh, all right, Ooh. never mind. Ooh. Ah. So yeah, so that all came out. Um, and it's making things a little complicated for right. the next phase of, of impeachment. Yeah, exactly. Especially since you have attorneys for the president saying, under oath, there is absolutely no evidence anywhere directly linking the president are to... Are they under oath? They are. Technically? They are. Okay. Yes. Cool. So then McConnell Senate could find them in contempt or or, or, oh, sure. or something. Yes. yes. They could also... <laughs> Although it has occurred to me, like, the, yeah. if there's a reasonable possibility they could be disbarred, but that's, you know, Please. who knows. I don't Thank expect so any much. of that to happen. So that's come out, and that has added a complicating factor to things. Yes. You know, especially since none of this was out before, and... Bolton was requested to testify in front of House committees and said no because the president has told me not to. And though then he, he wasn't said, subpoenaed, hey, I'll appear before the Senate because right, he said I'll appear for a Senate subpoena because they're the more deliberative body. I guess so. Uh, and and I guess there's this question, you know, and I've heard from some other people 
you know, why hasn't John Bolton just gone out? You know, he could he could go on to any number of television programs. He could name a price to be oh, interviewed. Yeah. So why hasn't he done that? You know, C-SPAN could come in and just back a truck of money up to his house. Oh, wait, that's not C-SPAN's thing. But, yes. Please. Uh, <laughs> he could call in to either the independent or Republican line on the, on the call-in show for C-SPAN. And, uh, oh, God, that would be hilarious. That would be the best thing ever. <laughs> that would be the best thing ever. But I, I think there are some, at least in my mind, you know, I think he wants to be subpoenaed. I think he wants to testify under oath. Because he could, he could go out there and talk about this to his heart's content on a television program. And if he does, then Republicans could say, actually, we know everything right. and we don't have to consider it because they can only consider things that are entered into evidence. And so as long as it's not entered into evidence, it's, theoretically, yeah. And well, and also until he's under oath, everything is he said, he said, right? It's Bolton says he said this. Trump says he didn't say that. Who knows? Who would I believe in this situation where I have a well-established liar and a guy who's got a very big mustache, which is clearly questionable. Although so. John Kelly, former chief of staff, just came out today and said, I believe Bolton. Right. Well. So, I mean. Yeah, but, but you know, clearly he's out to get the president. There you go. And, and then, <laughs> then Trump came out immediately with some tweets saying he's just trying to sell a book. Just trying to sell a book, which to me, in my mind, if you call somebody a liar, you can't then later say that it's either classified or privileged. Right. Because you've said it's untrue. <laughs> right. Right. So, uh, yeah, so this is going to put Republicans in sort of an awkward position because they were kind of shooting for, all right, we're going to get through the Democrats telling us once again why he's a criminal. We're going to have, you know, three days of Fox News talking points that have nothing to do with really discrediting any of what was just said. And then we're going to have some question time and we're going to just get out of here as fast as we possibly yeah. can. But with the Bolton revelations now, there's a lot more pressure to actually subpoena witnesses. And it's going to be a lot harder for the likes of Collins and Gardner and whatever to basically say, okay, well, I'm not on board with this, um, you know, and I'm going to need to see some witnesses. Although, I mean, I mean, we keep saying that. The, this Theoretically, is the, yes. We're, we're hoping that it yes. puts people in tougher. We, I mean, Mitt Romney is like, ooh, I think we need to hear from him. Yes. Well, yeah. So, so Romney said we need to hear from him. Collins has said we need to hear from him. Gardner has said we do not need to hear from them. Um, we had, <laughs> we had, I saw dueling headlines that said, the GOP confident of win on witnesses, i.e. that we won't have any. Yes. And then GOP doesn't have the votes to block additional witnesses. Like, w which one is it? And and the reality is it's probably we somewhere in between. Yeah, um, because it, it's it's one, those came out on Wednesday, yeah. and the vote for witnesses isn't going to be until Friday. Yeah. So any number of things... I mean, uh, outside of the questions that are asked. Yes. And we should talk about that because the themes from yes. the questions so, are Yes, so yeah, if you want to get into that, I think it's a good point to do that. Yeah. <sighs> so the questions as I was following them today, you know, they were really mostly softballs directed at one crew or another. Right. Either backing up points from the presentations 
or rebutting points from the other side's presentations. Right, right. And not a lot was uncovered today. I, I, I mean, I guess I wasn't surprised by the kinds of questions. You know, we did get things like, what do you think the, and I loved hearing John Roberts read this, what do you think John Bolton meant by drug deal? <laughs> he meant literally they had a bag of cocaine. I mean, clearly. I mean, clearly. <laughs> so you heard a lot of those kind of questions giving the both sides the opportunity to both rehash points they had made and speculate wildly. Right. Which you've got to appreciate. And not a lot of rebuttal time. There were some questions that were asked of both sides, which I did appreciate. Um, but there were certainly there was certainly some tribalism there. So you'd see questions asked by, you know, this core group of, you know, Republican or Democratic senators, and you knew that the only point was to get talking points out there, of course, to muddy the waters, to you know allow people to say charisma and Biden and corruption in yeah. the same 15 points. And right. really, I mean, Jay Sekulow <laughs> just needs to get punched in the face. Oh, of course. Just needs a punch in the face. Yeah. So, so, so my question to them is, if Biden is corrupt, and clearly he is, and the other Biden is also corrupt... And there's lots of corruption and barisma. Corruption. Corruption. Great you know. question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Great question. Yes. I, I will say the things that really are hard to get, hard to wrap my brain around are things like arguments that say things like, well, if the Democrats didn't ask these questions, why should we ask these questions? Right. Right, lawyers? Like, and the lawyers are like, yes, ask no questions. But what do you want us to say? We, w- we don't want any more questions. Just vote and clear this out. We don't I want know, any more questions. We're good. We're we good. Doing? Let's peace out. Yeah. I, and I, I am continually struck by this idea that Republicans in both the House and the Senate are kind of like, you know what? The legislature kind of sucks, and we should get away get away with it. Just do away. With it. We don't need it. Give everything to the president. Yeah. Unitary executive. He can make all the decisions he wants. There's no oversight. We can't say anything back. We have no power here. Just let it go. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand why they would move in that direction without any pushback whatsoever. Just roll over like bitches and let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyhow. <sighs> uh, so, what about Giuliani? Think Giuliani will be called to testify? I, oh. I, like, I, and actually, I, I want to hear well, your, your you question. Know, do, do you, you do, do you, you think there will be witnesses? You know, I feel like this is another one of those Lucy in the football moments where, like, yeah. you know, like they're setting us up. Like, oh yeah, no, we might, we might call witnesses. You never know. We're really thinking about it. Oh no, we're not. Like there's no there's no McCain coming in to throw the thumbs down to save this. No, no, none of that's happening. No. I don't know. I, I kind of at this point I'm like I don't think we're gonna have witnesses until we do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not certainly not holding my breath 
no. in any way, shape, or form. No, no, no. Nor would I put any money anywhere near that. Yes. Because, I mean, you could actually have a bunch of Republican senators come out today and say, like, I want witnesses. And then all of their dogs die tomorrow. Yeah. And Friday, no witnesses. Right, right. Of course, that wouldn't work with Romney. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible that Susan Collins is like, yeah, I want witnesses. And then it's like she gets enough PAC contributions. She's like, never mind. You know, you mentioned contributions, and I just want to call this out for a moment. The president's defense team includes uh, one, one Ms. Pam Bondi, who used to yes. be the attorney general for Florida. Yeah. Do you know at one time she opened an investigation about Trump University? Interesting. Yeah. Do tell. And, what did she find? What were her uh, conclusions? Uh, her conclusions were, nah, I'm going to drop that. And huh. it was, and I'm sure this is coincidental, but right around the time that she got $25,000 in campaign contributions wow. from Trump-related organizations. That's interesting. <laughs> so it was really great to hear her talk about corruption. I mean, you know, I, I mean I the irony how- of all of it, I just... I want the old Saturday Night Live sketches, you know, like the, the, the Lipton inside the actor's studio where they're talking about irony. Just like every time I have to listen to Dershowitz or Ken Starr saying like, look, man, impeachment like war is hell. And that is a direct quote. Yes. Impeachment is hell, man. Why would anybody do that, man? Whereas, really, historically, his his version of impeachment has been more like a soft porn movie, not hell. But, you know, Jeez. it's all relative. I mean, and then Pam Bonnie going, corruption is a bad thing. I should know. I mean, it just blew me away. Like, I just don't but, you know, understand. I think that's part of the strategy of all of this is, like, to be just so over the top that we just sort of, like, throw up our hands, like, what are we going to do? I, you know, and and and, and it, it always kind of cracks me up is like Republicans, you know, make all these big tirades about how corrupt government is and how broken government is. And what do they do? They come in and they break government and make it corrupt. Like, yeah. Well, and if I we stop electing you. That would really help things. And, and, <laughs> and we've always talked about this. Maybe not always. But I think one of the things that we've talked about repeatedly is this idea that when you elect people who hate government, they'll break it and make you hate it more. Right. So you think you don't need it. Yeah. And then so, you're like, well, sure. I have a solution. Don't elect them. Yeah, but we've always elect, we've always elected uh, the lizard people. Yeah, you don't have to, but we've always done it. We're all references. Don't blame me. Today. I voted for Kodos. We're all, um, we're all, we're all anyhow, references today. So, so if you're listening to us, tweet at us. If you get with the, the references, references we've yeah, made, yeah, that's at least four different pop culture references we've made. Now the interesting thing is, and and I've got to say. You, I, at least for me, I get in these cycles where I'm like, is anybody buying this? Who's buying this? I mean, some people are clearly buying, but who's? how many people are buying it? What percentage of the electorate is buying it? And you only know really from elections. But the polling around impeachment has been pretty interesting. So 75% of people have wanted witnesses. Yeah. That's a significant number. Well, and the interesting thing will be to see... What is the impact on those witnesses? Like, there's a deeper level of this is like, okay, well, if we don't get witnesses, what do those people think about all of this? Do they think it's a it's a sham trial and and do they vote certain senators out of office or do they go, well, 
that sucks, and then they just move on with life. Yeah, maybe. Although, you know, something that I've heard in the last few days, which because we're talking irony I'm going to bring back, is you know, they're like, well, that's fine. We'll call Bolton, but we get to call, I don't know, Joe Biden, which I would say is a quid pro quo. Well, you know, but here's <laughs> the thing, though. You know, I, I saw that, and it was, uh, I forget who, it was Chris Coons, I think, it was trying to float that concept. Yeah. And the reality is is that the Republicans have the votes, so they can decide who the hell shows up. If they want Biden to show up, they can have Biden can show up tomorrow. Him. Yeah. They aren't going to do that, though, because they know that doesn't help them. That just, uh, anything that brings extra spectacle to what's going yeah. on right now is against their interest. Oh, sure. I mean, they need it done as soon so as possible. So even if Biden was going to, you know, have his, you know, you need me on that wall moment and confess to, like, some tremendous corruption with Burisma. Reference five. Right. <laughs> you know, that they don't want that because then, because now they can, I mean, if it ends up being in the election, they don't need to prove that he's corrupt. They just need to create the impression that he's corrupt. Oh, right. I mean, this was, this is how That's they won 2016. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same playbook. So anyway, I, uh, the the seventy five percent of people seem to want new witnesses. That's great. The polling on actual removal from office has been fluctuating between forty eight and fifty one percent. Yeah. I mean that is like uh, just whatever else you think. And I, you know, I've said this before. I'm a I'm a polling and survey nerd. Yeah. So there's no other way to say that. I mean, looking at the polls, they're pretty reasonable polls. They're conducted pretty well. Like half the country wants you out of office, removed from office. That is, that is not a not thing. Here's the thing: impeachment is, excuse me, conviction on impeachment. Because impeachment is a separate thing. Conviction on impeachment is premised on two thirds of senators voting against you. So if we are only getting fifty percent of the American public signed on to this sure are we at the threshold where he should actually be removed from office I, I to me i've given up hope in the senate oh i know that's not going to happen but like the imperial but, I mean, senate it, it, will never it yeah. reflects the same divide that's keeping that from happening really uh, it, it does but it also gives me hope you know that there are enough people kind of as uh, long as those people, sh- as long as that yeah. 51% shows up in November, we're right. fine. And a higher percentage than that, although not a hugely higher percentage than that, you know, thinks that he's abused his power, right? And that's, yeah. Look, so we're talking about the majority of the people in the United States, hopefully, you know, assuming the polling's okay, that actually look at this and say, man, I don't like it. I don't like what's happened. Yeah. And that makes me feel a little better. Yeah. Um, and one thing that's interesting about the notion of, you know, whether he's impeached, whether he's convicted or acquitted, um, three Democrats apparently are on the fence about whether he should be acquitted or not. They're exactly the ones you would expect. It's, you know, Kirsten Cinema, it's Doug Jones, it's Joe Manchin. Um, and... I don't know if they're actually on the fence or if they like to present themselves as I'm being deliberative. I'm representing yeah. both sides of this. You know, so who knows? The thing that got really interesting was today Feinstein said Can't that tweet. she was <laughs> she was looking to acquit, but it turned out there was like a whole confusion around what happened. Oh my God. Like, she was like saying, "Well, I was 
effectively what it seems it came down to was before the impeachment hearing happened, she was content to say, well, you know, in nine months we're going to have an election, so we shouldn't be doing this now. Which I hate because it's setting up Republicans to say, well, you know, we're going to have an election in nine months, so I'm not going to vote to acquit what, or vote to convict regardless yeah. of what's going on. Um, she eventually came out and, and re- explained that it was confusion, and no, she is on board with convicting him at this point after seeing all the evidence. The reality is that she was on board with that in the first place. but yeah, And, of course, everybody blew up at that, right? You oh, know, yeah. like, I saw that, and I'm like, duh, hell? I, <laughs> sure, I said hell, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, and I hate this idea that, you know, on one hand, we have to be, or we feel like, and I feel like, say, look, Republicans, grow a spine and, you know, do this impartially and vote the way that you think it should be, regardless of the consequences. But like, hey, Joe Manchin, it's okay, man. It's okay, but pay, play both sides. Yeah. We can't lose seats. I would like, I just... Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and I, I, my... You know, I mean, Christian Cinema is fine. She doesn't need to hedge. Well, she's not. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, both her and Manchin aren't running for like right four years, five years at this point. Like, what what are you worried about? Like, relax. Like, Trump isn't. Go- if all goes well, Trump is not going to be in office. It won't matter. Yeah, <laughs> we won't be having that same dynamic. <sighs> um, I, but you know, it, it's it's interesting though. Like how all of this has played out and we've talked about Bolton and all that and there was a whole other a thing whole that other came thread, out yes, I which know, is like is since beautiful. getting flushed down the toilet because of you know the Lorax but um, it, and I think this is something that's going to continue to come out yeah fraud guarantee fraud guarantee fraud, um, our, fa- our I think our favorite our favorite person in the orbit right now don't is, you think yeah oh yeah yeah Lev, Lev Parnas and the sausage king of Ukraine Igor Fruman I know I, I I know we keep trying to to bring Igor into it, but, but he's, he's actually not. in it this time. No, no, he's here. Uh, peripherally, uh, his I name mean. card is in the video. Damn, that's it. true. That's so true. here's the thing: uh, a video was shot back in April of 2018 on Igor Fruman's phone, uh, where it records a lot of the interaction that uh, was had with Donald Trump. This is an 80-minute dinner recording. Yeah, and it's and what this was, it was a fundraiser. So essentially, what happened was that Fruman and and uh, Parnas bought their way into having this conversation with Trump by giving a bunch of money. And this is a lot of what is ultimately getting them in trouble is like fundraising for people in exchange for things. But um, it's a very long recording. The highlight of it is Parnas presents to Trump that. Um, Yovanovitch, the uh, former ambassador to Ukraine, is like doesn't like him and is a bunch of trouble for him. And and Trump says, after saying bad things about her, generally says they need to take her out. I mean, it uh, get rid of her, get rid of her tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, just get it done. Take her out. Yeah. Now, immediately it's like, oh, they're, they're trying to have her killed. But like, if you look at the timeline of this, it's like this is long before anything else has happened with her. Any sort of the like pressure campaign. And, and finally, what it is is that Trump's a big talker. He likes to talk tough. He's like, take her out. Like, he's, like, you yeah. know, in some B-grade movie. I mean, he really does view himself as a mob boss, I think. Oh, yeah. I think he watches he wants for inspiration to be, every morning. He's yeah. like, 
He turns on the scene in Untouchables. If you were going to make a B-grade version of The Godfather, Trump would be the head of that crime family. Like, that's that's what's going on here. Um, and so it's interesting to see how that unfolds. Because, like, there's that video, and that happened in April. Uh, we saw in May, so just shortly thereafter... Uh, Pete Sessions start pushing for uh, right. Yovana to be and removed. Pompeo was not the Secretary of State at the time this video yes. was recorded. Yes. And, and that's remember, notable because they say that in there. They're like, well, as soon as you have a real Secretary of State, like Mike, the reporter abuser Pompeo, then you'll be in good shape. Yeah. And it's also worth remembering that Pete Sessions... Uh, what like he's caught up in the how like Parnas was raising funds for Pete Sessions to get right. him to put pressure on Yovanovitch. So the, the obvious question is, who is Parnas working for here? Uh, ultimately, the impression you're left with a lot of this is that, oh, somebody's working for Trump. But it's really he's working for somebody else. I don't know who that could be. Um, but it goes from there. It goes from May to then November. Giuliani meets with the with Lutsenko, who's the prosecutor who we know to be corrupt in Ukraine, um, and Lutsenko was looking to hurt her reputation. Giuliani starts pressing for investigations in January of 2019. Uh, In March, John Solomon, the uh, right-wing author, writer. For The Hill. For The Hill, and various. he's written for various other things. He was an AP reporter at one time, but anyhow... Uh, he published an interview with Lysenko claiming Yovanovitch was preventing anti-corruption efforts. Right, had the blacklist. Yes, right? and she was doing literally the opposite of that. Right, and then he's like, actually, I was lying about that. Yeah, and it was saying that um, she was also helping with Clinton's campaign over Trump. Um, Which is just, and, just ridiculous. And in that spring, Hannity gets in on the action, smearing Yovanovitch. Uh, in March of that year... Trump goes after Yovanovitch on Twitter, gives Pompeo a dossier of damaging information on her, and then eventually she's pulled from Ukraine in April of 2019. So, yeah, so that's the overall timeline of this. I think the big question is, like, what is Parnas's game? I mean, obviously, he was working for somebody else that he was pushing the stuff in the first place. Was it uh, people in the Ukraine? Was it, I think, more likely Russian oligarchs? Possibly the Russian government more generally. They're all kind of intermingled. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, somebody's paying his bills. Yeah. Right? Somebody is. He's getting money from. I, actually, I would say he is playing at least two, maybe three sides of this. Oh, very possible. So. Yeah. And the question is right now is like, why is he releasing this information? Why is he appearing on Rachel Maddow? Why is he putting out this video? Like, what is the game he's playing? Um, the best idea I've heard so far is that. He's got something that's somewhat compromising on Bill Barr, and ultimately Bill Barr is in charge of deciding like what he's going to be charged with. So, you know, is he putting pressure on Bill Barr to say you should let this go because otherwise I've got all yeah. the receipts. All the So, could we just just acknowledge for a moment the insanity of clearly a somewhat unvetted donor being able to record 90 minutes of conversation with the president, the president's son. Yes. Well, and I, other donors who were idiots, by the way. And, but. and being able to buy his way. I mean, this we talk a lot about corruption. And a lot of the times we think about corruption in terms of the, the quid pro quo, our favorite phrase, Latin phrase of the year. Um, 
and it's not my favorite Latin phrase of the year. But. Well, there's that. Uh, so uh, there's this corruption is basically that he's able to buy him his way into the room. That he's able to like have these conversations with Trump, influence him. Now, if it was a brighter politician, maybe it would be less of a problem. Trump's a little bit more easily persuadable. As soon as you start hitting on she doesn't like you, oh yeah, then suddenly Trump's interested, and. I do wonder on some level if a lot of what's happened in the impeachment has simply been an attempt to manipulate Trump that got out of control. Like, oh, Yovanovitch is out to get you. Oh, they have this, this information that's going to help you in your campaign against Biden and da-da-da-da. Like, and he's like, oh, you got to do great. something. Oh, and, and got himself in a hell of a lot of trouble. I mean, it does. There are times it feels like that. And I don't know how to react to it, to be honest. Like, yeah. I, it's, it's kind of like a, huh. It could be that he's an unwitting co-conspirator in his own impeachment? Like, I didn't even do it on purpose. I just... I'm just too stupid to not do it. <laughs> I mean, that's I, the thing. Like, I, I I, keep thinking of a time, maybe like 20 years from now, where Trump's out of office. He's sitting in jail. I, let me dream, people. He's in jail. They've gone through. They've they've opened up the, the, the human-sized vault of, of corrupt people documents he has or whatever and uh Geraldo Rivera's opening that vault right Geraldo Rivera which you know he's actually been somewhat he's due, uh, anti- he's due for well, a, a full he's due vault. for that and also he's been a little anti-Trump in a lot of what he said so you know good on him but anyhow um so it'll be interesting to see like will the historians come up with like look at the long chain of all this stuff and like suddenly all the things that don't really make sense and seem contradictory will suddenly start making sense like yeah is he sold out to Russia yes or no Sometimes it seems like, oh, clearly. Sometimes it's like, that seems contradictory. Like, why would he sell Javelin missiles to Ukraine if he's on board with Russia? Oh, uh, I think it's it's hamster it's, wheel, right? Like, oh, yeah, Javelin missiles, which was a big part of the defense. I can't tell you how many times Javelin missiles have come up. Right. Clearly, he wasn't well, and I think extorting what it, them what it, because Javelin missiles. My impression is that other people wanted them to have Javelin missiles and manipulated Trump into signing off on it because he didn't know what the hell he was doing because no. he didn't know. Like, do you think that Trump had any sense that Ukraine and Russia were in some fight over Crimea before no. any of this came down? No. Probably not. Here's a guy who didn't know that China and India shared a border. Yeah, remember, people, we're talking about a guy who can barely deal with a PowerPoint deck that has a bunch of, like, pictures of puppies and kittens every other screen. Right. Actually, unless it has pictures of him, he can't deal with it. No. So so to tie off the Parnas thing, yes. he wants, He was on Capitol Hill today, which I thought was amazing, just showing up. Hey, man. Like He's also do. trying to release a bunch more information to Congress, and the sausage king of Ukraine, Igor Fruman, is pushing back on that. Yeah. Because... They're both being charged with very similar things, if not all the same. And so, you know, Igor's like, listen, man, I do not want these things out there in the public. <laughs> um, he's he's basically making the same point I've been making is he's really not as much of a part of this, you know? Yeah. Even though it makes a better joke. But yeah. oh, well. <laughs> it does make a so, better joke. So, yeah. So we're uh, almost through. The craziness of D.C. and our news here. Uh, uh, We've gotten through most of impeachment. Do you have anything else you want to? Well, it's not really impeachment related, I guess. But I look, I don't know how many times we've said we are not journalists. And you're welcome, actual journalists. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> but at the same time, uh, you know, we're a middle-aged white guy, so we donate to NPR. And there was a great, terrible... Don't donate to NPR. I donate on Steve's behalf to NPR. <laughs> and <laughs> we're... I, so this last week, Mary Louise Kelly, and because I listen to NPR all the time, she's a, she's a longtime journalist. She's been... I think at Reuters, she's been at the BBC and now at NPR. She's interviewing Mom, Mike Pompeo. And he had just come back from Iran. And there was, as these things always are, there's nothing that's off the cuff, right? So there was a negotiation, a back and forth between Mary Louise Kelly and Mike Pompeo's press folks. Katie something is her name. Um, anyhow, and it was, what are you going to talk about? And Mike Pompeo's office is like, only talk about Iran. And she's like, I never take Mary Louise Kelly. I never take any subjects off the table. I'm going to ask about Ukraine. And this was right after all the Parna stuff came out and they get into this interview and the interview is kind of going as it goes. And she says, so shouldn't you have defended, you know, Yovanovitch? And Pompeo gets all pissed off, and he ends the interview. And he walks out. And then somebody calls Mary Louise Kelly back into the room for him to yell at her, just to scream at her, and then play everybody's favorite game show, Mike Pompeo, find it on a map! So, (laughs) like, like, what? He pulls out a map? Right. Like unlabeled map. An unlabeled map and tells her, point to where Ukraine yeah. is on the map. Lightning round, Mary Louise Kelly. I know you've got a master's degree from Oxford. And uh, in full disclosure, so there is a website or that somebody set up where you, it's basically a blank map and it's point to where Ukraine is. And you can like see yeah. if you know where Ukraine is. I guessed Belarus on the first try, but I got Ukraine on the second try. So I was awfully damn close. Look, that's, They're right next to each other. That's fine. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I, 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 you know, I studied, I studied Eastern Europe all through college and political science and, you know, speak Russian and those things. And like, like I would look at those and there would be a moment of, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, that, that's yeah. the right one. Yeah. That, like which one, where's yeah, Chernobyl? Yeah, I'd be like, it's yeah. that one ish, yeah. you know. Yeah, there it is. But right. unbelievable. And then put out a press release saying, essentially, she lied to me. No. She didn't lie to you, you know, and now they're, you know, Donald Trump's like, we shouldn't even have NPR and their NPR is being kicked yes. off of, you know, so press trips. In response to all this, I'll donate to NPR. So there you go. I mean, so please Back on board. donate to NPR. NPR gets 1% of their funding from the federal government. Everything else comes yes. from member donate stations. Donate to NPR. Also support your local podcast. Rate us on iTunes. Yes. Yes. And if we're not local to you. Donate your non-local or support your non-local podcast. Yes. Either way. Either way. I, I, I just, again, it's, it is so emblematic of how our world is working right now. Um, and it's funny, not funny. Right? Funny, it's not funny. Just, like, part of me just wants Trump to lose simply because I just want the, the news cycle to just calm down. It's yeah. like, oh, 
There's a boring person who's been appointed to a boring office and they're doing boring things because everything is fine. Exactly. Instead of like, oh, it is the person who's the, you know, third person in succession that they didn't want to have appointed by the Senate or approved by the Senate. They're now in charge and I don't know who the hell they are and they're crazy and they're saying crazy things exactly. and like, like they work for Fox News. and I, oh. Donald Trump's now got a Department of Christmas because Christmas is under attack yes. and he's appointed the Grinch as the Secretary of Christmas. Like Yes, and you're like, and like, there's a Secretary of Christmas and there's, and the Grinch is real and you're like, no, it's not, but it doesn't matter because it's all, ah. And it's Jim Carrey and there are no vaccinations anymore and I don't understand. And this is why this podcast involves drinking beer. Uh, that is exactly why. When people ask us, look, why do you guys drink while you do this? That's the only way we can do this. Yes. It's the only way we can do this. You know, we've been to now 23 breweries or tap rooms. It's been worth it. Yes. <sighs> Anyhow, I just want to tell you that today we're at a metal, like it's a metal bar brewery, yes. which really is. Although right now what's playing is not metal. It's not metal, but it has been metal. Yes. And it's been very good for my soul and matching with my mood. Yes. So, so like, no, yes, there were moments where I'm like, I'm kind of headbanging while, while EJ yes. is talking. Absolutely. Ace of spades, man. Ace of spades. So Brexit. Can we talk about some international news? Sure. Why not? Brexit's happening. That's for, all we need to know. For real? It's like not... Yeah. They were in Brussels. They were like, oh, look, guys, uh, we don't care anymore. It's just fine. Just get out of here, I think is, is essentially what happened. So do we have any fallout from, from Brexit uh, at we this point? Okay, I, we don't I mean, know. I don't know. It's, it's all the framework agreements and stuff, but, yes. um, you know, where we were four months ago compared to where we are now, it's all happening. So things have been passed by the U.K. Parliament. Okay. Uh, sort of reciprocal agreement passed by the European Parliament. So, remind me when the timeline of this is at this point. I, like I it's it's. No, it was like Halloween, anymore. and then I I don't know. And now it's supposed to be now or next month. I. Ah. To be honest, I'm kind of bored with it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so yesterday's news because we've got the Wuhan coronavirus. I know, I know, the Wuhan cr clan is spreading ac across China, where. You know, of all the things you want to have a lot of information about, maybe it's a be careful what you wish for. Like, I want to know exactly what's happening because I want to know what the threat level is. But I also know it's China, so I know that I don't know anything what's happening. Right. Well, and, like, this is one of those things where, like, a lot of it sounds very scary. And I'm going to go through a lot of stuff that sounds very scary. But then when you start to, like, really, like, look at it, it's not as scary as it seems. Right. But it still kind of is. So um, here's, here's the latest information on this. Uh, China has uh, expanded the quarantine. Now approximately 50 million people are covered by the quarantine. Um, Which is a big number. Yes. Well, here's a really crazy number. So they put a quarantine in place on Wuhan, where, of course, all of this started. Wuhan is a population of 14 million people. Five million people left Wuhan before they put the, the, the block in per. Peace in out. But, but let's, I want to put this in terms that are a little more conceivable for us in, in America. So imagine if New York City and Los Angeles were all one city and Los Angeles in a period of several days left. That's what we're talking about. Like, and that's actually slightly smaller than the scale yeah, that, of this, but it's pretty close. Yeah, that 
just like the hip hop scene in the nineties. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I understand and back, completely. Which gets you back to to Wuhan, Wu Tang. I, yeah, I guess. Exactly. So right. Okay. Anyhow. Um, that um, said, you know, we've got like over six thousand reported cases and a hundred and thirty odd deaths. Yes. Um, most of the deaths have been people over sixty five. There's been like one case where somebody was much younger. Um, and I think they were in like their mid thirties, mid forties, something like that. But overall, it's been people who are much older. Um, it's hard to know what the death rate is of this because you know we're talking about the cases that are reported. Somebody sh- sick enough to show up at the hospital. We don't know how many people are not sick enough to show up at the and hospital and be accepted at the hospital because yeah. we know that some hospitals are turning people away, right? Because they don't have the resources, right. etc. And they're out of tests. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the foreign governments that had people in Wuhan have been evacuating them. I saw today, like, there was a plane of American citizens who were flown back from China. Would you get on a plane with people flying, flying back from China? Well, if I was already in China, yes. <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough call. I, 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 I mean, if I'm already there yeah. and I'm leaving there, yes. But if I don't have it, and I'm getting on a plane with a lot oh, of people that a, I don't, don't know if they don't I'm, have I'm it because the like, incubation period is like 14 days. I'm just going to put a, like a grocery bag over my head and, and call sure. it good. You are a Broncos fan. You should be used to that. Oh. And, oh. Zing. So, and, and actually, airlines are now canceling flights to and from China. American and United have both done it. Yeah. Um, I mean, on one hand, it feels, you know, really scary. On the other hand, the numbers are less scary than SARS. Yeah, so I, I found myself Googling about this stuff because that's what I do. Um, and the infection rate or the R0 rate, which I didn't know was a thing until like two days ago, is 2.6. And what that means is if you get that virus, the odds are you're going to infect 2.6 other people. You know, I imagine that 0.6 person is happy you didn't give them the other 0.4, but um, that's overall how this works. Um, the thing that's most alarming is it can be spread by people even if they have no symptoms. Right, in that 14-day incubation period. Which that's isn't why I'm always consistent. Like, there are apparently, like, some people will get symptoms in two days. Some people won't get symptoms at all. Some people get symptoms in 14 days. Like, it's all over the map. Which means it's going to be almost oh. impossible to contain this because you aren't going to be able to identify right. in any easy way that a traveler is infected right. or not. Right, so like getting people's temperature as they land at an airport. Right, that's how they usually do this is they do thermal scanning. Is like, okay, this person's running a fever. Let's stop them and check with them. Right. And that's great, but then a bunch of other people come through and that's not going to do any good. And there was actually like one story I saw of a kid whose this entire family had the virus and they checked him, even though he had no symptoms. Turned out he had the virus too, and it was like he was contagious. Like, so. Please see earlier gonna... statement about why we drink during the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so here's the thing: if you're over 65, if you are have some immunocompromised state, yeah. if you have some chronic diseases, you should be concerned about this. If you are younger than that. Think about this like it's the flu. Yeah, I think that's a great way to say is, it. Yeah, it, you're probably going to be fine. If you are less than fine, it's probably things that can be treated in a hospital. The big concerns are going to be just are hospitals overwhelmed or things like that. It's going to probably be a little ugly, but 
it's not going to be like the end of the world. It's not the you know, twenty eight days later, you know, zombies running through the streets or any of that craziness. It's, sure, it's Matt it's, Damon isn't going to be a, grieving you. Yes, it's a bad flu. That's that's basically what we're talking about. Mm, bad so flu. you know, so basically, wash your hands. Right. If you haven't gotten your flu shot, get your fucking flu shot. And the reason why is not because it's going to help you with this, but it's going to keep you out of the hospital using up other resources that other people right. might be using. It's going to m- keep you give you a little peace of mind if you don't get the flu and think, I've got the coronavirus. And also, don't drink corona. We'll get to that. I don't know that. there's a relation. We're going to get to that. But, um, but, you know. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So, as far as the response to this, China's always been doing, uh, you know, containment. Apparently, they pledged nine billion dollars to fight it, which, which is, is terrifying. Which is a lot of money. <laughs> which is actually the scariest thing of all. Like, yeah, hold on, guys, you control the means of production. Nine billion dollars seems like a big commitment yeah. if it's not that big a deal. Well, I think that's the thing that's interesting. Is like, well, and the WHO has not called for a public health emergency Who? at this point. The World Health Organization. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, yes, uh, they're on tour again this year. Um, well, they won't get fooled again. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so they'll. <laughs> Very good, sir. Um, but all this gets me to thinking Medicare for all. Oh, that'd be nice. And the reason why is because at once this virus starts spreading around the U.S., which it's probably started yeah, already. It has. Um, it has. There are going to be people who can't afford to go to the hospital, aren't going to go to the hospital, are going to spread it further. You're going to have people who, and this is actually a little separate from Medicare for All, one of the professions where people are most commonly without vacation pay and without sick time, uh, food workers. People are working in restaurants, people working in fast food or whatever, who are coughing all over everything and serving you. So... There's a lot of things that are wrong about how we structure our economy that will make this worse than it should be. But anyhow, let's talk about the, like, rest assured, like, we're, we're mostly going to be okay. We're going to be Some okay. people are not going to be okay, and that's... That, you and know they, who is going to be okay? People who make board games about there you go. infectious diseases. Yes. Like, yes. I, I can't tell you how Pandemic many things... Pandemic is I'm, a very fun oh game. Oh, my God. Uh, my, my Twitter and Facebook streams have been like hey just thought we'd get the kids together and play pandemic or you know right, right. any virus related game like, well there's a game I had on my iPhone that's a virus game where basically you play a virus and you like try to like mutate yourself to kill as many people oh, as possible yeah, absolutely. and like your goal is wipe out human civilization um, so far this is not quite following the pattern very yeah. well uh, and it's worth remembering that viruses want to propagate so killing people is really not ideal for them because a, go- a dead person doesn't spread things. Zombie does. Yes. The, uh, the other thing I was reading about was this idea that it came from bats. Yes. And people are eating bat soup. Have you ever had bat soup? I haven't had bat soup. But well, I, I, stop judging. You know, like, This is always one of those things where like, the real problem here is people are eating the bat soup. Well, honestly, what it sounds like to me is they're undercooking their bat soup. Yeah, maybe that's it. Because, like, you know, if it's if the bats have the bug, like, okay, fine. You just got to cook it enough. Like, that's... So we need some... Maybe it's like they're having bat sushi or something. Yeah, we need we need some... Bat tartare. Uh, 
Oh, bat tartare. We need some recommendations about cooking time of bats. Yes. Huh. Poached bat. I don't. I don't. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not familiar with bat cuisine. To be no, quite we'll honest, to, I, we'll I find bats to be generally pretty cute, and you know. But I, I think rabbits are cute, and they're quite tasty. So I don't know. Haas and Pfeffer. That's right. We're up to like what a dozen references. I think so now. Uh, I think so now. Finally, there's been a spike in people googling for Corona beer virus. <laughs> That's not a virus. That's just the terrible flavor of Corona beer. But see, this is the thing. You just got to add a lime. So maybe, maybe it's like scurvy that if you have enough limes, it's all better. Yeah, maybe. I, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll admit to uh, my go-to beer in a casino is Corona. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it's... Like I can't even... If I drink at Corona, I hear slot <laughs> machines <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and poker chips yeah. in my head. Yeah. It's just... It's associated... But I also like the idea of people going like, you know what? I'm not sure, but I just don't want to take the chance. Right. So I'm going to have a better beer. <laughs> Which we're all for, clearly. Right. Okay, look, I I want to come back to, I, oh, my God, we've talked about so much. But Israel, let's just real quickly. Yes. So we've this week we've had a, a Middle East peace plan released. Yes, Jared Kushner came out with his grand plan for the Middle East. Which essentially is... Which did it, not consult at all with the Palestinians. No, it was so like you know Israel can do whatever well. they want. Yes. It's two-state plan, but, I mean, you know, Palestine is a state without an army. Uh, uh, Israel's police force can arrest people at will inside of Palestine. Yeah. Uh, it's like if Netanyahu flew to the U.S. and said, this is exactly what I want to do, and, and we said, cool, we're going to write that down. This is our plan. Yeah. Let's do it right now the same day that Netanyahu gets indicted. Right. On bribery, which I feel and like he was charges. already indicted. Like, oh no, it's a much a, like, like super yeah, secret yeah, indicted. Yeah. Or no, like, we talked about this before. It's like they've got to start. The charges have got to start. They've got to go through like four different processes okay, because he's a public official, uh, and they get okay. to the point where he actually had submitted things to be immune from those temporarily. Oh, and I he see. I see. Those okay. that request the day of the announcement. Because he's like, the announcement is the most important thing, and then he's indicted. Okay. So, yeah, nobody, you know, Kushner's like, they better not screw this up. And the Palestinians are like, uh, this agreement just kind of says that you can take all the land of ours you want yeah. and imprison and, us. And, and let's let's be clear. He said, they're going to screw up another opportunity like they've screwed up every other opportunity that they've ever had in their existence. This is the guy who is supposed to be coming up with, like, some sort of objective plan for peace. Yeah, no. And, and look, here's, here's the deal. Nobody, nobody here, none, neither of us is, like, condoning, you know, activities by either side here. But there's no way to objectively look at this framework and say... Yeah, that's equitable in right. any way. Right. It's certainly not a two-state solution. Yeah. It is definitely a state minus solution. It's a two-state solution the same way China views Taiwan. Right. Like it's or a state Hong Kong. as long as we let it be a state. Well, well, Netanyahu calls it state minus. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> so there you Which, go. But yeah, it does I mean, have the new Trump tunnel between the West Bank and Gaza. Yeah. And just so you know, Israel is going to vote in the next week on annexing more portions of of 
Palestinian lands. Yeah. So, so if you really think that the people are serious about it, within a week of announcing this plan, they're going to just take over lands that are that were allocated to Palestinians. Yeah. I mean, I mean, fundamentally, what it comes down to is, at some point, they just bec- like de facto, it just doesn't exist anymore, and that's really what they're going for. Right. They just want it to be quiet. How about Iran? You want to talk about Iran? You want to talk about World There's War Three? That's not happening. Yeah, let's, let's, okay, so I remember last week it was. Uh, let's what's see. The, World War Three status update. Go, sir. Still no World War Three. Good, good. That but good. traumatic ba- brain injuries on Up the increase. Sixty people. Yeah, now? I think last time we said like 35? eleven. There okay. was like eleven, and there was like forty-three. I don't even remember what we said. We went originally. from zero to eleven to thirty-five to sixty. Yes, we're now at sixty. They're just headaches, though. Right, they're just headaches. It's fine. Nobody's lost a limb. I mean, it is amazing to me. It is amazing to me, just like the, ah, you know what, guys? We're just going to lie or not talk about it. But once again, I'm, I'm mixed on this. Like, if it means we're not, you know, dropping bombs in Iran, like, uh, I'm on board with it, I guess. But but people should recognize the I would the prefer that they were just like, we took some, we took some limited casualties. And I mean, even if they just, like, made the, like, hey, this was worth it. Like 50 people having or 60 people having concussions and brain damage is worth this. Like, I don't agree, but if you're like, gonna at least make that argument. Yeah. Instead and of just we're going like, to do right eh. by them as opposed to saying they're well, fine. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, no, that's that's a really hard thing. And, you know, I really hope that they're doing better yeah. and we're going to give them all the resources they need to, to, to get through this. And Exactly. And know. that's unacceptable Yeah, that they've had to go through yeah. that or are not had to go through it. This is not something yeah. when you have a concussion or a traumatic. Like, right. I mean, my kid I mean, fell like, down the stairs the, at school. Right. He had a concussion. It was a three and a half week process for him to get back to normal. Yeah. Oh, these, yeah. These, these kids who volunteered were bombed. Yeah. This is not a get over it kind yeah. of thing, right? And It's like Trump's know, just it, taking lessons from the NFL on how to deal with these things. Shout out to my Broncos. Anyhow. <laughs> Stan Humphreys play for the Broncos. The uh, it, it, and in the same week, there was a, a flight, a plane shot down, a go- U.S. government plane shot down in Afghanistan. Yes, that was, you know, auspiciously for the same reason. And people who were involved in the planning were on that plane. No talk about that. That's a little conspiracy theorist. Yeah, we should get away from that. We should get away from that. Now, normally at this point we would talk about Circus 2020, but I feel like we took like a two-minute talk about the beers we're drinking. Yeah, let's do a let's do a beer break here. So, uh, yeah, we are at All Rise Brewery. It's All Rise Brewery yes. and so, the Cobra Lounge. Yes, and Cobra Lounge. So, I my familiarity with this place is I used to do uh, photography of roller derby, Naturally. and they used to do after parties here. Uh, so I knew this place pretty well from then, and I guess now it's like they also brew beer. And so now, yeah. and I don't know, is it Cobra Lounge? Is it All Rise Brewery? Is it all the same? I'm a little confused, but the beer is good, and the music I, is excellent. I mean, I, I, I've i not been in here before, and I, like, walked in, and I was like, yes. Yeah. Yes, I love this place already. It's got a good vibe. When we came in, it was a lot of, like, punk and heavy metal kind of stuff. Yeah. Now we're getting some more, like, reggae? I, yeah, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's good. And I'm I, like I said, the beers have been great. The service has been great. Um, very attentive. Like 
making sure we got what we need. I'm, I had a rain and blood, which right. uh, for our metal fans out there, rain and blood is a uh, Slayer song, I, and it was a raspberry sour, which seems a little discordant with Slayer, but still super good. But raspberries, blood, I see the connection. It's fine. Yeah. No berets. Uh, yeah, I've had the Clara, which is a beer de garde. Uh, good, like like a brown ale kind of vibe to it. Yep. It's like very tasty. And then I moved on to, purely because of the name, the Sloth Love Chunk, which is an oatmeal stout. Very, like, smoky stout. Uh, it's quite tasty. Beautiful. And, and so here's the thing. They have Monsters of Rock, a pinball game. That I've I've played for, oh my god, twenty one years, and I love it. And I haven't seen it in like a decade. And all I want to do is go over and play Monsters Rock, right now. But you've got circus to talk about. I do have the circus to talk but about. But we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, I'm gonna probably before the end of this podcast, depending how fast I drink this stout, have the Klaatu Barada necktie. I mean. Which is a barrel-aged Baltic porter. And I'm of saving that for the end. To. Yes, uh, the Day of the Earth stood still. It is. And uh, Army of Darkness. Both. Uh, Both. Got to keep up on the references, everybody. Uh, but, yeah, it's a Baltic porter. Uh, it says it's aged uh, with notes of caramel and rum. So that sounds pretty damn good to me. But Baltic porter. Does that mean it's from Yugoslavia? Probably. No, sorry. Only our president thinks that the Baltic states and the Balkan states are exactly the same exactly. thing. Exactly. <laughs> How about playing that uh, Pompeo spin the wheel game there, Donnie? Right. So anyhow, circus. On the circus. to the circus. Election Circus 2020. National polls. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, the Killer Bees, We have man. some polls. The Killer Bees. That's right. I, I think it's important to talk about the polls. Like, I trust them, don't trust them. I, I don't mean the Polish people, of course. Yes. As wouldn't a poll you, myself. You wouldn't do that in Chicago. That's, that's no. not a good choice. Bernie and Biden, like, essentially tied right now. Depending on who you ask. Yeah, it's interesting, like... And honestly, at this point, like, I'm kind of ignoring the national polls because I feel like those are going to fluctuate pretty wildly based on what happens in the first few primaries. Right, because so, we're coming up. We're six days away. Yes, yes. So, yeah, we're, this is our last podcast before we hit Iowa. So this is the big, the big event. Maybe. Probably. We'll see. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, then we've got... Uh, We've got another debate coming up next Friday, is it? Yeah. Which is like, seems so crazy soon. But yes. um, but Yang has now qualified for that debate. Yang Gang is in. Not that he is likely to get any delegates from Iowa. No, but, I mean. Yeah, and remember, like, the way Iowa works, uh, if you get above 15%, you get delegates. If you get below 15%, they make your supporters go vote for somebody else. So I like it. Just may, I guess you could walk out of the gym. I don't. I, I no. I think they actually like threaten you with violence if you leave the gym. Like you're not allowed to go. You're stuck. It's really interesting. I actually, it's I, like I really am not nice. <laughs> I am not sure how that works. If your candidate, uh, if your candidate leaves or is is under fifteen percent, do you? Yeah, you I mean, stay? I suppose I you could just tap out, but I don't know. 
I've never. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's yeah. But I've anyhow, never caucused. Um, Iowa, it's Bernie and Biden are like neck and neck at the top of the yeah. list right now. Um, overall, though, it seems like Bernie's kind of on the upswing. Biden might be on the downswing. It's a little hard to tell. If you go to like 538's tracking poll and they show like little graphs, you can zoom in as much as you want and it's still hard to tell like yeah, even I, who's in the lead at Their this model point. is really, really amazing. I mean, yeah. I, I'll tell you that last week, last weekend, I spent hours looking at the model and you don't have to trust me. Um, I certainly don't. Good choice. But I, I was, I was... I asked a lot of questions ahead of time and proved them all out. It was it was really yeah. it's really a robust model yeah, right now. Yeah, I think it's it's good. Yeah. Um, um, and you know, again, it, it, at the very least, them and Real Clear Politics are good places to look at poll averages yeah. and how they do things. And you know, they different they weight different pollsters differently, and yep. that's fine. Yep. Yeah, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see like. In this last week, like all the different attacks that are coming out and how those are going to play out, um, you've seen a lot of uh, articles being written by people saying Bernie would be a bad choice in the general election, that he's the most likely to lose to Trump, written by From, who is formerly a George W. Bush speechwriter. You've got Jonathan Chait, who is a more Democratic-leaning writer, but has repeatedly been wrong about these things uh and a lot of his logic if you look at it is based on like i think a lot of flawed assumptions i'm not gonna we don't have time to go in all the weeds on it but basically that but there's clearly a trend of people trying to make it look like oh don't vote for bernie because he's scary and he's not gonna win in the general i honestly i feel like everybody has a chance of winning in the general at this point and i think everybody has a chance of screwing it up yes i i I think anybody worrying about electability at this point is is it requires a lot of predicting the future. Yeah, predicting uh, the future, as most weathermen will tell you, is very difficult. Yeah, and what I would say to them is, if somebody's wringing their hands about it, I would say, remember that in you know 2016 at this point. People were like, well, it's got to be somebody who's not Donald Trump or like, like, you know, nobody thought that Donald Trump would win. Right. You know, the Republican Party was going through similar right. machinations. In fact, there's a great article by Ch- by Chait saying Donald Trump can't possibly win. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I wish he were better than he is, I guess. Yes. Uh, uh, so, uh, look, you but know, right now, if you look at the polling. Um, Bernie, Biden, Buttigieg, and Warren are all kind of in the same realm. I think there's like a Bernie, Biden sort of like they're a little bit ahead of everybody yeah, else. Yeah, they are. So where it will get interesting is as the other, you know, 20 some odd percent of of support from people who aren't going to get over the 15 percent threshold, where do they land? Where do the Klobuchar voters land? Uh, where do the Yang voters land, et cetera? Yeah. So we'll see how that plays Yang out. Voters. The best glimpse we have into that was Monmouth, uh, which is considered an A-plus polar by 538. They're they're, generally very good. They're generally very good. Um, They had Biden at 29 and Sanders at 25. Um, On on the assumption of basically anybody under 15 was eliminated, let's see where those people end up, and that's where they ended up. But where do they end up in the gym in Iowa in the cornfield? 
who's cajoling them, who's right. who, who feels pressure and, to go where. And one of the realities of Iowa and the other caucus states is that your ground game makes a big difference because yeah. you have people who know how to pull people over and whatnot. I, I know that... Uh, I know that both Warren and Biden's campaign have invested heavily in finding people who are good at this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and both of those campaigns are at their win number, meaning they feel like they've talked to enough people to win, which is really interesting. And I don't know Biden's campaign because there's nobody we know who's on Biden's campaign. Right. Do you know one person who's volunteered for Biden's campaign? Yes. One, literally one, and also they are... They, it's Joe they, Biden, like, isn't and, it? And you they, know Joe Biden. And that was very early on, and they, I think, since went to somebody else. So Bloomberg? No. Uh, no, Kamala Harris. But, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I will tell you that I think it finishes Bernie Warden, B- Warren Biden in Iowa. Very close. Yeah, interesting. Very yeah. close. I, I mean, at this point, I feel like... It really is going to come down to the enthusiasm of people on the ground who's willing to spend the time sitting in the gym, doing what they do in a gym, presumably playing basketball. I, I that's how I. See I this think works. people care the most about Bernie Warren and Yang. Yeah, and so yeah, and 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 I think then, I think there's probably some people really like Klobuchar. Like, where do they go? I feel like if they see Warren and they see Biden, I feel like maybe more. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. But I feel like. I don't feel like Biden is a he has a core of support when you look at the polls, but I don't think it's a strong number. I think that the lot of those people are like I they like him because they number. think it's a fear number. Yeah. I think if you were running against a if you were running against a president that you thought I would dislike but not flush the country down the toilet in the next four years, you would get a different yeah. result. Well in if, like, John Kasich were president right now, people would feel differently about the Democratic candidate. Oh, 100%. I believe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that. Well, I mean, and, well, and honestly, if John Kasich was the nominee for the Republicans, Clinton's the president. It's a totally different, like, the dynamics of that election yeah, play completely differently. And so and I think that's part of where, like, going back to, like, what Jonathan Chait was saying and, and Frum were saying was, like, they're looking at the dynamics of this in terms of, like, pure, like, policy positions and I and and Bernie being you know very left of center and people not like that but is that what's driving this election and no. the answer is no no that what is driving this election is getting Trump out of office right. and so if you are talking about voters who are reliable Democratic voters are you worried about getting them out to vote no 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 you're worried about People who are you. So there's two possibilities. One is you're going to persuade some people who voted for Trump to vote for you, which I think is a thin read to try to hang your campaign on. Or you're talking about trying to get people who are unreliable voters to show up. Younger voters, uh, minority voters, voters who are yeah, not yeah. as consistent and getting them to come out and give them a reason to show up. Biden is the worst for doing that. Well, Biden, you know, Biden will say that his support amongst the African-American community is right. the highest. Until and you start poking at it and you're until like, now. yeah, yeah, I like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. And I'm totally with you. Totally, totally with you on that. Yeah. And 
And of those voters who's, you know, to, amongst those voters, who the black voters who are in support of Biden, are those people who show up to vote against Trump? Because are those people going to go vote for Trump over a Sanders or a Warren? No. no. So it doesn't really matter. I mean, there's, their support matters in the grand scheme of things. But, like, is yeah. it going to matter in terms of this no. election in the general? As long as they show up and vote and vote for the Democrat, as they typically do, no. So the next so states after Iowa, New Hampshire, Sanders has got like a 15-point lead there. He's going to win that. Nevada, Sanders with a smaller lead. Like, I mean, if So if Biden manages to win Iowa, I could see Sanders losing Nevada. Yes. Ah, no. But if Biden, if Bernie wins Iowa and New Hampshire and Nevada, then there's no way I can see Biden winning South Carolina at that point. I agree. That will be pivotal. Yes. For that group. I mean, because that's the other place where we start to see Bloomberg's in- influence. Because he's certainly involved. He's spending a ton and of Steyer money. as well. Um, you mean I think it's going to be like Vincent Adultman. Right. Right. I mean, I think it's going to be like, I think South Carolina is going to shape a lot of what happens at that. Because the next big thing would be Super Tuesday at that point. Yeah. And at, if, if, one candidate has shown clear strength through the first four primaries. Yeah. That should carry over pretty strongly into the Super Tuesday. Because right now, everybody wants to beat Trump. So if they see, like, that's the person in charge, like, cool, I'm behind them, and they're going to jump on that train quickly. I mean, I've been a Warren supporter. I'm wearing my Warren shirt. Um, if Bernie comes in, if it comes around to Illinois and Bernie's clearly got traction, I'm voting for Bernie, and there's no question about that. Yeah, I mean, this is a uh, the dynamics here are very interesting, and I think the other thing to consider is that there are lots of folks who re, who are keenly aware of the voting rules at the convention. Yes. So if nobody gets a majority in the first vote, then super delegates have their vote, and the media has been whipping up all these stories about you know super delegates essentially. Well, saying, here's the thing: like if any candidate gets a plurality of support, they're going to win. It doesn't really matter because because the, the, the superdelegates are not going to go into the convention and think, oh, cool. Well, I know Bernie got the plurality of support, but we can piece together enough people to make uh, Biden the nominee with our superdelegates. That's a losing strategy. Like, that's guaranteed that Trump will win. Now, Maybe they're like, cool, we'd rather have Trump be president and play and play like we're the resistance for another four years. But but if they're actually going to try to win that election, that's not a winning strategy. I'm with you on that. But I think <laughs> there are lots of folks, especially on the the more progressive left side of our party that are would disagree with you, that there are people who would would definitely rather go to the point where superdelegates can vote and do whatever they can to stop Bernie from being the nominee. Well, as long as Warren and Sanders combined have a plurality, I don't think we're going to have to worry about it. But we'll see what happens. I think if they have a majority, not a plurality. But we'll see. Let's let's see well, what happens. Well, I think it ends up being... Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what happens. We, I mean, like, look, you it's know, an like, Iowa yeah. in a few days, so... You know, and that's going to change everything. So yeah. everything we say right now. So if you've listened to us this long, this all doesn't matter. Hope it was entertaining because right. I was coming up 
That's going to change everything. 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 So we talked a little bit about the beer we're at, All Rise. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, so we've talked the, the beer. Uh, again, we don't have a lot of local politics, so we're going to talk about that real quick here at the end. Um, I, you know, we're But to kind of provide a nice transition point, uh, word came out this week that uh, Elizabeth Warren is backing Kim Fox in her re-election bid. She is. She is. I mean, like Kim Fox is the, the prosecutor, like, I mean, obviously, this is one of those positions that is sort of right in the center of Chicago machine politics and, you know, all of those things. And the Jesse Smollett stuff has factored in. Honestly, I don't think there would have been much of a question if it weren't for that. Yeah, I agree. This was, a, this was an opening for people. And so you've seen people like former alderman and mayoral candidate and Rutger Hauer look alike. Bob Fioretti coming out against, you know, Fox. And, you know, she's got some competition that I didn't think she expected to have. And, yeah. you know, the, well, the Warren backing is It's definitely going to help her. her. And, and I yeah. think, you know, a lot of times with, with elections is like you win an election and then there's always like it's your next election that will be your hardest because yeah. you've established yourself. You've got enough of a tracker that people can attack you, you know, and so then it'll be if she gets through that election she's probably got a pretty long bright career i think but you know we'll we'll see what happens yeah and i mean i think this is indicative of what you're seeing in all these other races is that you're seeing a lot of a lot of endorsements now the the ballots are set all of the challenges have been gone through so you know you'll see People like Dick Durbin endorsing people. You'll see people at the state legislature endorsing others. This is what's going to be happening. And you can choose to pay attention to those or not. You'll see them in the door hangers and the, you'll hear them in the robocalls that you get. Uh, and you'll agree and disagree with them. But there are going to be a slew of them. I personally don't put a lot of credit in them. Yeah. To be honest. Um, but that's going to be happening from now until... And I still can't believe I'm saying this. Election Day on St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Like, I, I don't even understand what's going to happen that day. Yeah. I know I'm going to be like in a bunker. I feel like we should, like, plan to, in like. An undisclosed location. We should consider doing a podcast on St. Patrick's Day from a bar that offers voting. Okay. Let's do it. So are we going to break our rule about a. A bar that has yes, well, have to because yeah, doesn't have to be a tap room because I don't know of any tap rooms that are also polling places. But if we find that there is one, we'll have to look into it. Oh, also that reminds me in a beer and politics note, uh, Five Rabbit is opening yes. up a tap room. Five Rabbit, which is awesome. I in, mean, in Pilsen, yes, which Five Rabbit is awesome. Um, fun story about Five Rabbit. I've totally diverted, but. I've got to tell the story. Um, they used to have a contract with the Trump Tower to provide a beer for the Trump Tower. And it was a golden ale. I forget what they called it at the time. But when Trump got elected and all the racist stuff came out about him, they, they broke their contract with the Trump Tower, took the remainder of that beer and sold it as Tupelo, which, if you translate it, You're going to have to bleep this out. Yes, I am. 
Well, I, but I also believe the Spanish, just to keep it consistent. But the meaning is, f*** your hair. So, uh, yeah, so they released as a beer. It was a good beer. Um, they've also had, like, a line of sort of beers around that are, yes, like, very political themed. So, like, it's a little more of a trek for us, but I feel like we're going to have to go there and do a podcast. I, I think point, we should be there when they open in support. That would be cool. It would be we cool. We might do that. All right. Anyhow. So, on St. Patrick's Day, which is the day after my birthday. Well, there you go. So we'll celebrate your birthday. We'll celebrate democracy. We'll celebrate podcasting. It'll be great. We'll celebrate iTunes ratings. It'll all be awesome. Very nice. So there were some things in Illinois this week that I think are worthwhile bringing up. Uh, Pritzker signed into law a new law that says that insulin is capped at $100 per month. Yes. Which... Which is still a lot compared to, like, standard prescription prices, but compared to what they were paying. Yeah. It's one of those things where you're like, I can't believe that that's a thing, but it's a thing, and it's a good thing. Yes. Now in Illinois, you cannot charge more than $100 per month for insulin. Yeah. And so what will happen is insurance will account for that, and they will make other things more expensive or whatever, but, like, it'll all balance out so that... Everybody's paying in a, like a few pennies more so that people who have diabetes can live. Diabetes. And what would be really great is if this were just Medicare for all and you wouldn't have to worry about it, but that's a different Well, yes. We'll work on that. Uh, the other big thing at the state level is that budgets are due very soon. So we're now into 2020. And if you listen to our podcast week in and week out. And God better. love you. Also, we owe you a beer. Uh, fair tax is going to be a thing. This is what we're going to talk about. I promise to talk about it in every podcast from now until November. Okay. But budgets are due, and nobody knows what the revenue is going to be. So I don't know how you make a budget without the revenue. And already there's sniping and snarking about, like, well, what's your budget going to be there, Pritzker? You're going to count on that money? You're not going to count on that money. Um. So it's something we should all be paying attention to. We should all, as Illinois residents, be paying attention to. Because if you look at a budget and it counts on X number of dollars for fair tax revenue or marijuana revenue, we should be aware. Yeah. Um, Because if that falls short, then other things are going to happen. Yeah. If it's very conservative, then we should be aware of that, too. Because that will mean there's opportunity then to do other things, either get other programs in place or pay other debts down. Um, but I think as you know, active, informed citizens, those budget addresses, however boring they are in the next couple of weeks, are very, very important. Yes. Uh, and one other thing to point out about the fair tax, um, if, if you are a property owner in the last week or so, you have gotten your property tax bill, and you and you opened it up, and 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 your stomach churned, and you're like, oh my god, I'm paying this much. Um, if you do not pass the fair tax come November, that's going to get worse because yeah, yeah, yeah. they have to offset that cost somewhere else. And if it's not being paid for by income taxes on wealthier individuals, then it is going to be paid by you, and it's going to be paid by your property taxes. So there's your choice. All right. So, you know, and there is one last thing I just oh, want to tell talk me we about. have corruption news. I mean, it's something near and dear to our heart. <sighs> I, and I, it's just been so long since we've gotten to talk good corruption news. It's not Ed Burke. 
It's not. It's it's our good friend Sandoval, the, the great corruptive hat of I know, Illinois politics. I know. But uh, Senator Sandoval, who you know, we've talked about him a couple times. Like, oh, he resigned. Stuff flowing around him. And again, this is like this feels like a New Jersey or Chicago story. And if you're listening from downstate, I just want you to know that I said Chicago. I don't expect this stuff in like Springfield. Well, maybe in Springfield, but you know, in Cairo or you know, like I don't expect it any place outside of Chicago. But like, here's this guy. We know he's in trouble. Reporters have noticed that every day for the last two weeks, he's been picked up in a black Chevy Suburban and driven downtown. <laughs> Deal hey, impending. He's, he's just doing Uber. Come on. Yeah, Uber Black. He's just like Uber Excel. upgrading his ride a little bit. Totally Absolutely. fine. Absolutely. So he has his driver's wearing a nice suit that looks like he's a you and know, with a little government piece in employee, it. Right. but whatever. And so he's he's pled guilty now. Yes. And some of the details of his of his filing have come out. And this is a guy who was in charge of uh, the transportation committee. Yes. And people were like, well, he was probably double dealing, doing some things. And it's like, sure. So he was, he's taken hundreds of thousands of dollars to be the guy who, and I quote him, goes balls to the wall for you in Springfield from companies like uh, Safe Speed, which is, does cameras and come Red light cameras. Yeah, the red yeah. light cameras. Like, like, he's just like, oh, yeah, man, I'm taking money from everybody and anybody. What do you want me to do? I'll do it all. Yep. Like, just laying it all out there. And people are terrified. I mean, he is, he is gone state's evidence. He's like, I'm going to cooperate as much as I can. What I enjoy is that it seems like all of our corruption, except for, like, you know, the, 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 it's fucking golden selling a, a Senate seat, uh, is transportation related. Because you remember back in the days when we had George Ryan as Secretary of State and all of that, where he was, you know, oh yeah, giving out licenses when he shouldn't have, et cetera. Everybody, you get a license, you get a license. Yeah, like I feel like that was small potatoes compared to this, but you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, it really is astounding. It really, and and so people are going to get caught up in this. This is step one. Yeah, I mean, the number and if of he's people, giving up state's oh, evidence, that means. There's somebody ahead of him who's know, getting so in trouble. Thank you, former Senator Sandoval. You've given us material for the next probably all of the weeks. Right. All of the weeks. Yes. If if we get some good if we get something on some other people above his pay grade, we'll definitely do a full podcast guaranteed. on that. Yes. Guaranteed. Yes. Not a fraud guarantee. Not an a fraud actual guarantee. guarantee. I It's the end of another week, isn't it? Another episode. Yes, yes it is. We we had a little break in the middle. I you know I again I can't say enough about All Rise Brewery. Yeah, no, it's a cool place. We got a pinball machine. We got like a nice lighting level. Uh, lots I'm, of I'm, exposed brick and it's just it's just. I love this. Place. Yeah, no, this is really nice. I love nice this vibe place. here. It's a it's a good way to kind of come down off of the impeachment craziness. Yes, I hope you've enjoyed some time with us today. It's helped you out a little bit. We're gonna be back as soon as as reasonable for our own blood pressure and liver. Yes. Uh, yeah, and so next by next time you hear from us, we'll likely have figured out who won the Iowa caucus. We'll uh, see where we stand in impeachment. We should know whether we're going to get witnesses or not. So next episode oh, ought to be pretty a pretty big deal. Pretty so juicy. be sure to tune in. Juicy. 
rate us on iTunes, et cetera. Please do. Tweet at us. Send us a message on Facebook. Really, anything. If you think we're terrible, I want to hear it. Yes. How we could be better. And then share us on Facebook and yeah. Twitter. And say and this is whatever. the worst the worst podcast I've ever listened to. But tune in. Yeah. Download it. Listen Show, to at least 12 you know, episodes. It's like, it's like you go in the refrigerator and you pull out something and it's like, you're, th- you're pretty sure it's spoiled and you're like, can you try this? Just like that. Yeah, exactly. You can <laughs> food spouse, food spouse your friends. That's oh, right. Yeah, like try this. It's terrible. I think it'll make you ill. Have it. Yeah, Anyhow. Exactly. But it won't give you coronavirus. That's right. It won't give you the coronavirus. <laughs> but light virus maybe. But yeah. So Anyhow. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.